Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the No Pun Included podcast. Wow. A podcast where I, Efka, and I, Elaine, and you, the Yay. audience, oh. talk about board games. Oh, should I have said I, the audience? No, because no. you're not the audience. I meant like I, Efka, then you, Elaine, I and, see. and then you, the audience, I right? See. I see. We almost did it, Uh huh. but that's fine. I got confused. What board games are we going to be talking about? We're talking about lots of board games today. We are talking about... Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. Mariposas, Loop, Glasgow, The King is Dead, Tailstones, Root, The App, and also uh, our one and done, I forgot the, the long title, uh, Heroic Adventures in Pursuit of the White Rabbit, which is an unlock game. Okay, so the, the, the title is Puzzle Deduction... One and done. done. That, that's the name of the segment. <laughs> it's the puzzle deduction, one and done. I don't know. I, can't I think. Remember. Do you think we need something catchier for that? I think it's fine. I think it's a perfectly fine <laughs> title. I don't see anything wrong with it at all. At all. Uh, Elaine, that's, that's a lot of games. Not all of them fall into all sections. But basically, there are five board games, in essence, that we're going to be yes. talking about today. Not counting the puzzle and deduction, one and done, whatever. I forgot the t- name uh-huh. of the Already. segment. Uh-huh. Yeah. Out of those five board games, there are two that I think are great. Uh-huh. There are two that I think are not great. Uh-huh. And then there's one that's sort of somewhere in the middle in there. Do, would sure. you agree with that assessment? I don't know. Uh, it depends. I, I think so, but I'm not mm. sure we're talking about the same game. Okay, well, we'll find out. But whilst we're finding out, let's uh, let, let's play a little game with the audience where oh. they maybe try and figure out is this one of gonna be one of the ones that they're gonna like or not like i don't know is it a game no that's that's a rubbish if, game if you get it right drink a shot unless you're driving in which case do not drink a shot you, could, you don't have to drink a shot of alcohol no of anything you like you it can could... be a shot of milk uh-huh. um why milk i don't know why was that your first thought <laughs> just what's the least alcoholic thing that you can imagine milk water well, no, milk. It's, if you put water into alcohol or alcohol into water, you can still drink that. If you put alcohol into milk, it's not going to go well. Uh, well, I mean, there's Baileys. That's made of uh, cream. cream, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. And, and there's some white Russian as well. Ugh. I quite like oh, white Russian. Oh, <sighs> just... Oh. Anyway, like alcoholic milkshakes. <laughs> Shall we get into yes. our first segment, Elaine, which is... NPI News. Are there any NPI news? Remaining at home and playing games. That's pretty much the news. Well, there's some news. We're about to launch a new series on our channel. This is true. Uh, I wasn't sure how much you wanted us to say. Well, okay. So it's going to be a limited series of Mm -hmm. six episodes. We're not yet exactly sure what length this series will span but mm-hmm. it it will be our reviews still as they are as normal it's just that they're going to center on a specific topic yes and that topic is games that you can fit in your pocket genius right like uh-huh. who who wouldn't want to find like out like pocket about monsters but pocket games pocket board games pocket, board pocket games. monster board games there's no monsters they might eat you put what? it in your pocket and you might die. Why would you put something in your pocket if you thought it was going to be a bad idea? Well, sense of risk, you know. Um, my dad once told me a story about this kid at, at his uh, secondary school that stole some, I think, sodium from uh-huh. the chemistry lab. Uh-huh. Uh, it, 
sodium is kept in oil, mm-hmm. right? Because in air it starts to um, yes. like break down, right? Yes, right. And uh, so this kid stole like this lump of sodium mm-hmm. uh, from the chemistry lab and put it in his pocket, like mm-hmm. wrapped it in a tissue, put it in his pocket, and it started to get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter because it started to like get air to it. So uh, to get rid of it, he chucked it down one of the toilets and it exploded the toilet, literally exploded the toilet, like the pan and the everything. I feel like that happened at my school. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's something that happens at, at every school once. Yeah, probably. It's just one of those stories. So Louts. that's the no pun included news. We're going to mm. have a new series. We are. Uh, we're going to have sodium in the toilet. No, and we're we, not. We Don't are. do this at home. <laughs> And we also have a, if you've not been watching this, I highly recommend this, the Dungeon and Dragon series, which has been going on for 14 episodes yeah. already, which means it has as many episodes as our podcast. Wow. It features not just you, not just me, but uh, formerly of Shut Up and Sit Down, Paul Dean, mm-hmm. uh, from More Games Please, Ross Connell, and for, from now officially Girls Game Shelf, mm-hmm. Emma Janssen. And also uh, Pointless Parrot Podcast. And also Pointless Parrot Podcast. All fantastic people, all... Got getting together to do a uh, very wholesome Dungeons and Dragons show. I uh, think it is. Yeah. Yeah. If if you want to catch it live, which we would really appreciate, it's on every Saturday on Twitch TV slash No Pun Included at eight PM UK time. If you don't want to catch it live, it's on our YouTube channel. I did say a slightly naughty word in our last. I think, last I, think, I think people can forgive it's, you. It's a naughty word for bottom. Well, if, if people can find out what that naughty <laughs> word is, they can leave a comment on this podcast. If you want to leave a comment on this podcast, you can go to nopunincluded.com slash podcast, <laughs> find the relevant episode and write in what naughty word Elaine no, said don't. for bottom. No, don't. Um, should we move on to what games we have played? Yes. Have we been playing a lot of games lately and have they all been very interesting? The answer to both of these questions is maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of already gave it away earlier Mm. on when you quite definitively listed some were good, some weren't so good and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's start with one that is called Telstones. Yes. Full title, Telstones, King's Gambit. Mm -hmm. Telstones is interesting because of two things so one of the things is that it comes in a really lavish metal Uh box with Uh a clasp Uh and when you (laughs) open that metal box there's these fantastically chunky big acrylic sort of cream colored round discs that have been they're like the thickness of like three poker chips right yeah if not more if not like five poker chips they're really really Uh really big they're chonk uh and Uh, the box is very small though like you've you've described it as if it's like this chest right but the box is is like the size of you know like a like a burger king or mcdonald's like burger box right like but but squished down squished down yeah Yeah. not the big mac something smaller yeah yeah, something smaller uh it's that size but it weighs like five kilos (laughs) i am literally holding it in my hand and it's spinning in my palm entirely yeah. isn't uh-huh. it so, yeah pretty much yeah, yeah there you go it's pretty small but the components inside are pretty chunky and yes. pretty nice quality there's a yeah. nice cloth mat to play on oh it's lovely it, yeah, it's really one of the nicest really productions nice. of the year now the second reason this game is interesting is that it comes from publisher riot mm-hmm. games which isn't known as a board game publisher it's a video game publisher famous 
for a game that people played i don't know five years ago league of legends was that five years ago oh, seven was, years no, ago whatever time something ago. like that some time ago league of legends was popular and people played it and uh riot games made a board game they decided they were going to make a board game and that board game was called max versus mm-hmm. minions uh and it was huge again the production was outstanding mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fun game that was accessible for families, but also had interesting mechanisms, uh, generally enjoyable to play. Maybe wishy-washy in some regards, but I have a fondness for Mechs vs. Minions, and I still own a copy. Uh, it's yeah, one we of, do, don't we? Yeah, one of the games I haven't gotten rid of. We've moved I, with I, it a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> uh, despite its size. Um and then they haven't done a board game since. You know, it's been some time. It's been, what, four years since Max vs. Minions? Sure. Something like that, right? If you say so. And 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 suddenly, uh, Riot Games got in touch and said, hey, if, you know, if you're listening in 2020. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening in 2020, Riot Games got in touch and said, hey, we have another board game. Would you ha- like to take a look at it? And I said, boy, would I? <laughs> did um, you literally say that? Did I you did. email back <laughs> with the, the th- just three words, boy, would I? I wish I did now. <laughs> that would have been funnier. Uh, no, but uh, so I was I was quite enthused by the prospect. Yeah. And when I said to you, Elaine, at the start of this bit, that there are two things that are interesting about Telstone's mm-hmm. King's Gambit, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't lying mm-hmm. because these are literally the two things that are interesting about Telstone's King's Gambit and nothing uh-huh. else is. So let's let's begin with the disappointment of uh, when Elaine taught me the rules. Uh, I asked Elaine to read the rules and then she excitedly opened the box and then sat down and 10 minutes later she said, all right, I'm done. And it's not so much the volume of rules, though. Uh, it's, it's when Elaine told me the rules and he, she could see the disappointment in my face mm. set in before we started <laughs> even playing the game so telstones is unique in that uh it it simulates a sort of like a game that works within the fiction of the league of legends universe right, right. it's not just a game that's that exists in our world as a product but it also it's also a game that characters within that universe would play and mm-hmm. it's a sort of a kind of a outsmart your opponent you know, a, a test of your prowess as as a marshal, as a war chief, as a strategist. You know, sure. and and so it sort of set up my expectations with these really nice components for a small, uh, sort of very nicely produced tactical abstract game. Mm. It's not a tactical tactical abstract game. It's just a memory game. Uh, it's just a silly memory game, and I don't even have so much a problem with that. It's just that when you said to me, oh, you know, I have to, like, whatever action I want to perform, yes. I have to tell you to do it, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, oh, cool. Is this, like, do I have some sort of a decision? Like, you choose the action, but I choose how it executes or something like that? I think like it's just that? so you can't cheat. Or no, no, it's, it's, it's because this is a memory game. So what it is, is effectively you have, you have some stones, they have symbols, and then you start putting down those stones and you have to like face down or face up whatever uh depends and you have to memorize the sequence right and as soon as someone calls out another player and says can you tell me what is what the sequence is 
and that player can double bluff and say like can you tell me what the sequence <laughs> is right or they can like i can tell you what the sequence is and 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 then you literally say the sequence of the symbols and if you get it right like you get a point or whatever there's some rules to yeah like whether you get a point or whether you win the game outright depending on who challenge who and how but essentially the only reason you you force the other player to perform the action that you want to perform is so that they are going in their head bird shield sword <laughs> like bird shield sword bird shield sword bird shield sword uh, -huh. uh that you know you get knocked off off your Kilter, rhythm yeah. and and forget and i thought well okay so that's the game and and is there more to it and the answer is no yeah that was that was quite disappointing like when i was telling you about it mm -hmm. the look on your face was was kind of it i'd saw it drop as yeah. i as i carried on telling you how to play this game but i think i have a fondness for this type of game that that you don't have and i'm not saying like it's a great game because it's, it's not it's no it's it's not um but i i have a fondness firstly for kind of meta games like three dragon ante that they would play in D &D but it that doesn't you get to even play. work like that it doesn't <laughs> even work as a meta game within a game because and here's the reason why it doesn't work i'm sorry i'm sorry but sure. i'm gonna tell you you know i let you speak for like ages i know and i was like okay I, i'm gonna explain my thing now. i know no, i'm not i i am i'm sorry Rude. i'm a horrible man person <laughs> who interrupts and hogs the airtime but but so here's the thing Elaine, sure. right the idea of Tellstones, that it's a game that the fictional characters in this yes. universe could like pick up some stones in this forest, right? And then like they're gonna they're gonna play this game, right? And no, and I, like yeah, and it doesn't work because these stones are perfectly smooth and round and identical on one side. Because if if they weren't, you would immediately know what that stone well, no, was. You would have a mason craft the the stones, wouldn't you? Right, I guess. Or but, something. But like you, you. So you just what carry it around to the battlefield? Like I'm gonna go kill some people. Yeah, you don't just... Meanwhile, play some tell stones. You don't just randomly pick up a few rocks off the floor. You you have this. Set. That's why they've presented it in the way that they have because you have this nice set that is your like within the kind of logic of the world is your set How are you going to make stones look identical? Even, even... Because you're a master mason. But, like, stones are never identical. Yes, they're they all... are. No, like, they're if you different. have a piece of marble or a piece right, of... Right, it has streaks. You can tell patterns. Oh, okay, maybe not marble then. A piece of, um... I don't know. I don't know types of stone, Efka. <laughs> like, limestone. There you go. Granite. Limestone. Granite or limestone. Right, right? they all look different. Well, no, okay. They have Clearly, made... the owner oh. of the set would have an advantage. They're just a white stone, right? A white type of lime. That's why I said limestone, right? Okay. Or whatever, another type of stone. Why are you picking on like tiny details like this? I didn't like this. No, game. I know you didn't. The other thing with this game is that I think I've given it a little bit more props than than I should. Uh -huh. Is that I quite like? I think it's quite hard to make a game in 2020 that appeals to a modern audience but is also reminiscent of an ancient game like you have loads of games like go and chess and mm -hmm. uh, nine men's morris and all those games that are quite simple sorry did you just insert nine men's morris why not go and chess as why if not? they were like all the same well no but but games that are 
okay, what I'm trying to think of is games with very simple pieces, mm-hmm. right? Um, on a simple yeah, no, layout of a board, yeah. right? You haven't got you haven't got art, you know, massively artistic boards or massively different minis like 500 tiny meeples or whatever cubes or whatever you've just got a set amount of i mean go you have a bazillion of those little tiny blobs they're lovely what go sets yeah yeah for sure so i think it's quite hard to design a game that is reminiscent of that kind of layout and design and i think this game tries to do that i don't think it particularly particularly succeeds no but um i still think that it's an effort they've made an effort with this i think it's not a game i think it's i'm sorry i i okay so when i say okay oh my god i'm gonna retract that because whoever says this a game is not a game should be i don't know a memory game is still a game yeah i should have 10 lashings basically right now that's that's what i decided i might just flick your ear a few times but what i mean by that right when i say it's not a game i mean i don't think it was designed primarily to be a game i think it was designed to be a tchotchke i think it was designed to be a nice thing that people who are into league of legends yeah i I think uh, you're probably right i would like to have this in-game universe thing in real life on my shelf you know it's the equivalent of a pop vinyl figure but in board game form i i think you're probably right yeah it's it's a piece of a collector's piece and they've they've clearly made it look like a collector's piece why did right? they send it to all the board game reviewers then? because it is still a game as no, much as okay. you're you're yeah. you know saying mm. it's not uh no, it still I, no, works no, as it, a game i'm not saying it's not a game it is absolutely a game and it still works as a game it is a game i'm just saying it's, it's someone it's, has designed this someone has you had the direction of art or direction of you know layout or of the rule book and but there's an it, inherent it, cynicism and meanness it. to it you know like i i don't like the idea of a game that says it's a memory game but how someone's going to interrupt you isn't that funny i know i know no I, know. I still think it's a little bit different and a little bit kooky and a little bit odd and fits into that weird kind of meta world that i have a softness for so i don't think i hate it as much as you but guess what elaine Mm. Uh, there will be further discussion of 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 meta worlds within board games later on in the episode so if you want to if you want to hear elaine and efka argue (laughs) (laughs) stick around for more i I, this is a surprise okay uh enough maybe about tellstones let's move on to root Oh, so I'm going to be talking again a lot because I'm, I'm the only one who played this. Well, you know, you've played Root. You know what Root I is. I watched you playing this. Yeah, but uh, Root recently came out on a digital platforms. And specifically, I believe it's out on Steam. But also there will be iOS or Android versions, Play Store versions, something like that. Sure. I'm not too familiar. I just wanted to say what a lovely production. Uh, what a lovely translation of a digital it of a board game really into nice. a digital form the look is very nice one thing about it is that's quite strange in terms of how the artwork was handled because it still emulates the Carl Ferrin artwork but it superimposes it onto faux 3D models right mm. so so the models aren't 3D but they're made to look 3D so they have this sort of like almost like a mask stretched over a mannequin's face <laughs> uh 
attribute to them that is quite disconcerting and I don't find cute at all. But I suspect I'm in a very small minority of people who will say that. Most people who will look at the digital implementation implementation of Root are going to be uh, joyously surprised by how wonderful the production is. And there's a great soundtrack of like, you know, the Vagabond playing a tune and whatever, you know. <laughs> it's cool. If you're not familiar with Root, it's a game, an asymmetrical game of war set against the backdrop of woodland critters uh, having different factions. So there's the birds and the cats and you know they all fight for dominance and supremacy in the and woods. whatnot in the woods right and it, it's charming it's complicated it is not our favorite game but i have to say i really enjoyed playing the digital implementation very much mm. uh, even just against the computer but you can play multiplayer and all the games base four factions are already in there there are some very minor rules changes that they are working to address that some people weren't quite happy about specifically right. we have the marquis de cat uh faction bonus of having a keep was handled i didn't care honestly i just sure. i just enjoyed dipping into root without having to necessarily subject other people's time for root because not everyone i've played with has enjoyed root and so mm. being able to go, look, I don't have to front load you with the teach mm. or any of that, you know, just I can just sit down and try and work out this puzzle on my own and try and be better at it. I watched you play through the t tutorial mm -hmm. uh, and it looked like that was really well done. Like, oh, it yeah. It looked like it really took you through every step of the way. Yeah. And said, this is this, this is this, how this is how this works. And what I really liked about it is because, you know, the nature of board games things are quite flat. The art is beautiful in Rue anyway, mm -hmm. right? But things are quite flat. And what they've done there is really like you're in the forest. Yes. And I, I, <laughs> it, it gave a whole new dimension to how, you're, um, how you play it. Yeah, it's I, I imagine even playing the actual board game right now, mm. right? Having played the digital version, I would have a slightly different perspective yeah, maybe, on it, yeah. right? You know, because I've been sort of inside of it mm. and, yeah it feels like that right? it's slightly transformative in that way it's almost like an rpg <laughs> like being in the game yeah uh because you're playing as a faction yeah exactly uh, it, it looked really really nice um do you think then that that you prefer the digital version over the the physical version i would have to play with some other people who've played root before and, mm. and find out that way i enjoyed playing against the ai i heard they're going to introduce the bots so there, there's uh -huh. you can play against the ai but they're going to actually introduce uh so there's a clockwork expansion that's been made for root which lets you play with solo uh factions right. so so they're factions that are designed for solo play to be your opponents right mm -hmm. and there's specific rules written for them so they're going to now offer those factions as as a way of playing against the ai are right? there different levels of uh difficulty i'm not sure i can't answer that because uh, that's a really weird thought that i just had because if you're mm. playing with other players mm -hmm. you're you're kind of playing on whatever difficulty <laughs> other players, other players yeah, right yeah, yeah. but if you're playing against a computer and you don't care like whatever however people play the game i care i curate them. my gaming but group very <laughs> wisely <laughs> every time someone joins you're like okay what level of difficulty are you <laughs> yeah. uh, how good are you at, at, at games mm. um but if you're playing against a computer i kind of expect it to have hard or easy or 
you know, I just want a yeah. chilled out game or yeah, no, I really want to get know, my I, brain into this. I think you can choose difficulty for AIs, yeah. But I'm mm. not sure about the clockwork expansion. Sure, okay. How they're preset or not. Because I still haven't tried the clockwork ex- expansion for Root for the actual physical game and I would really like to. So that was Root, the digital board game. The review copy was provided by Direwolf Digital, which is the publisher. Uh, same as for Tellstones, which was provided by Riot Games. In fact, all of the games today have been provided by their respective publishers, uh, aside from Unlock, which was provided by Asmodee UK. Yes. Let's talk about Loop. The Loop. The Loop, or Doctor Elaine, oh. its full title, The Loop, <laughs> Dr. Fu Strikes Back, Back, Back. <laughs> what a title. What a title. What a game. What an interesting, strange, curious game. Wasn't it? Yes. So, what is The Loop, Elaine? Uh, the Loop is... A game where you are going round time. Uh-huh. There's like a, a board that has uh, different segments on it that represent different, different eras, eras yeah. of time. And you are going through those eras of time to try and defeat... Duplicates. Duplicates, thank you, of Dr. Fu, who is a baddie. I don't know. I don't know yeah. why we have to defeat these duplicates. He's trying to destroy the world or whatever. He's creating he's duplicates through time. But, but, who, you know? but why is that a bad thing? Who Cause, cares? Because he's an evil genius and he's spreading right. himself well, there you go. throughout so time. So he's the right? baddie, right? We're, we're the time agents. <laughs> and right? We're the time we have agents. To stop them. And we have to destroy these um, duplicates by sending them back, effectively, to their own time. No, 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 no. Not quite. Sorry. So... <laughs> Within the fiction of the game, <laughs> right? Right. I'm not picking up on any okay. rules or anything. Just within the fiction of the game, these duplicates, they are in the time they want to be, but there's also a time where if they would exist, they would create a oh, paradox. Oh, paradox. Oh, and I see. So okay. you want to send them to a timeline okay. where they would create a paradox and thus and then, disappear. Right. Which basically what that means is you draw a token from a bag and... <laughs> yeah, mechanically, I, yeah, was, I was quite yeah, correct. And, right? and you place it on an era that it tells you to place yeah. it. And then if you drag you, it on a different era, it suddenly goes, whoop, and the token you, is you gone. You have um, a deck of cards. It's a deck build. It doesn't so... physically disappear. I just want to clarify. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You have to remove it manually from the board. Uh, it's, it's a deck builder. So you have a deck of cards... And you have to use those cards to try and move those duplicate tokens from the era that they uh, spawn in to the era that matches their era, which then they will disappear. Now, can I tell people why you want to get rid of these duplicates? Sure. Mechanically. Sure. Well, because... (laughs) In the game, there is the Doctor Fu piece. (laughs) It's a little like Dice Tower thing. The Doctor Fu piece is visually similar to a a toy kaleidoscope. Sure. But practically works very much like Volcar Uh from Fireball Uh Island. And if you're not familiar with Volcar in Fireball Island, it's a thing you drop marbles into and it came out in three random directions, right? Because there's three spouts at the bottom. So here it's the same. (laughs) You have red cubes, which are rifts, which are bad things. And because the duplicates of Dr. Fu are, you know, like in multiple time zones, they're causing rifts. So the more duplicates you have in the zone... The more rifts it will cause, Yeah. So at the start of each round, you'll uh, draw a card and says, Dr. Fu is in the medieval era. And then you turn the Dr. Fu device to the medieval (laughs) era. (laughs) Right. And then you drop the cubes and then the cubes will come out either 
in that era, the era that he's yeah. in, or the uh, eras adjacent to it. And the number of cubes depends on how many duplicates there yes. are. If you have three cubes, that's yeah. fine. In, uh, an in era. one era. Yeah. But if you have three plus plus three cubes, what am I trying to say? If you have more than three cubes, there yes. we go. Uh, in one era, then you have a... Vortex. Vortex, thank there you. There you go. Can you tell the... Oh, <laughs> my goodness me. <laughs> so, thankfully... Uh, <laughs> the Dr. Food advice. <laughs> thankfully, the loop understands that its theme is farcical and yes. from the artwork perspective approaches it as if it were farcical. Yes. Uh, I was just going to add, if you end your turn in an era, um, you can also take a card from that era if one is available so at the beginning of each turn so not just each round but every time a player has a turn at the beginning of mm. that turn a few things will happen but one of the things is that a new card will come out into an era mm -hmm. as dictated by that card and if you end your turn in an era you can take one of those cards Elaine, we, we're laughing and yeah. we're smiling yeah. and it sounds like we had a fantastic time with the, the loop. I almost said you Dr. Dr. Loop. Foo. I, it's yeah. so I was calling it the Dr. Foo game. Yeah. <laughs> Have we had a fantastic time with the Dr. Foo game? I don't know. We had... A time. A time. Um, The first game for me, as mm. though I don't want to speak for you, but the first game for me was quite uh, disappointing. I, I don't know if it was just because my head was filled with all this nonsense and I underestimated actually how difficult and how kind of tactical this game was. Mm -hmm. But I did pretty poorly. Like, it's a cooperative game, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like I was doing anything in the game. So I wasn't I wasn't getting those cards. I wasn't removing the, the cubes. I was kind of just bimbling about not being very effective. Yeah, I watched you not have fun in that game mm. and i sadly immediately knew why and that's because when we so this is a cooperative game and right. like all cooperative games they're a gauntlet and it kind of doesn't bode well when you start the game and like one of the worst case scenarios mm. that could happen before you've even taken an action yeah has already happened yeah the the setup was bad for us yeah, right. It was, it's ran. There's parts of it that are random, and the things that came out were bad. There's three ways you can lose the game. Sure. Uh, and those three ways are have four vortexes out, mm -hmm. or have a vortex creating the same era twice, mm -hmm. or have all the cards. Like there's 21 turns, and each turn you draw one of these Doctor Who cards, and if you've drawn all of them, that's it. That's basically. Sure the game over because you haven't completed your objectives which is like various missions that are around the board that you go around and do that feel very very abstract mm. but here's the thing so when we started the game we populated it with some uh, duplicates we populated it with some rift tokens uh, and then the first thing you do on your turn is you flip one of those dr foo cards and it tells you which era it turns to and then you drop some cubes uh, and of course it turned into the era that had already a lot of duplicates because right. of randomized setup and we dropped some cubes and all the cubes fell into that one era and boom we created one of the vortexes three available yeah. vortexes in the game the fourth one busts you uh, and we're like okay so the game hasn't even started yet and we're already one life down yeah effectively and then we were just sort of playing catch up from then on it and, felt like it didn't it and somewhere midway through the game we lost it it, it felt like a lot of firefighting mm. i didn't really feel like i was playing 
a interesting game. I felt like I was all the time trying to stomp out the mini fires that we're yeah. talking about. I, I don't want to like belabor this too long, but let's just say that the reason we didn't always enjoy the loop Doctor Who strikes back, back, back is because <laughs> it is really random for a cooperative game and it's not the kind of randomness that's good because it's not the randomness you have any control over now there is some randomness that you have control over through the course of the game yeah. like this some of the random information that's been revealed will tell you like oh okay so you know these are the options of what's going to happen and th that window yeah. of options narrows so you know better what you can do and as the game progresses you are sort of more and more able to cohese and catch up and but there's still a lot that happens that is just out of your control and completely arbitrary and because of that not that fun but in the second game that we played of it yes that didn't matter i mean it that was part of the fun of the game that mm -hmm. randomness of always oh, it gonna come out because i think both of us we'd managed to build our deck up better mm -hmm. so what i said to you was i think it's one of those types of games that like if it goes well yeah you'll have a great time playing it. you'll you'll have this kind of strategy of okay these are the cubes i can take off this is what you can do this is what i can do let's do this plan together let's work together yeah and and make this happen right and and succeed so one of the other things that you have is kind of tasks that you have to complete and that's what wins you the game right mm -hmm. And we managed to do that really well. We really pulled together yeah. in that second and that, game. Can I, can I interject? That's mm. one of the joys of the game. That's yeah. one of the farts. Parts, farts? <laughs> I literally said farts. That's one of the parts. You're not going to... I'm going to keep going. You can laugh as much as you want. I can't gonna, edit this out then. No, you, you cannot. Say. I'm going to keep going. Uh -huh, okay. uh, one of the parts <laughs> that is a lot of fun in this game is the combinatorial power of you building your deck yes, right. So you very have much. Uh, different characters. There's five different characters in the game. They all have like a different core ability and a different starting deck that they come with. So yes. it's not just like, oh, these are the basic cards. You know, no, you start the game That's very true, already yeah. with like a, a deck that has some sort of cohesion and you know, an idea of what it wants to be. Mm. And then if you understand that character, what you want to do with that character, and if you collect the right cards over the course of the game, you can create some ridiculous combos. Mm. Like, and I guess, again, you know, that loops back to our video. Funny. Uh, why we like combos, where we covered fort and deck builders. And actually, if you're uh, interested in the loop, you can find out what kind of game it is. And if you don't know much about deck builders, by watching that video and now hearing us say, this is a game with a lot of combinatorial power. Yeah. Right? It's just things chain from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And then sometimes you, you get on this high because one of the cool <laughs> things you can do is like you can spend energy, which is a resource in the game, to like you, you've done the cards, you've done the things, that's your turnover. Uh -uh, you rewind back time. And yeah. tap cards, right? Yeah. And you can keep doing that as many times as you like, as long as you can afford the resources for yeah. it. As long as which, you have the energy. Yeah, which are become exponentially higher each time you do it. And so sometimes it isn't so much of a problem because what your cards do sort of chain into mm -hmm. a reaction mm -hmm. where you can continuously untap and do things again. And you didn't even realize you were going into a combo. But and you do. But you are, right? Uh -huh. And you're like, oh, uh -huh. I'm riding this wave and whoa, you know? Yeah, th there was that situation where uh, there were quite a lot of red cubes on the board and I only had one 
card that removed a red cube. But we had so many energy cubes on the board that I just did it again and again and again. Yeah. And it was, it was, what a great moment that was. I know, right? right? Yeah. Um, and what, what I do like a lot about it is that you don't collect the energy yourself as a player. It stays on the board. So wherever you make the energy sits there until it's used, mm -hmm. right? So either of you can use it. Yeah, because we can engineer situations for one another. Right. And that's really cool. That feels so cooperative, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we liked about the loop and there's some things that we didn't like. There's a couple of minor things that I want to mm. touch on mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the production of the game. So sure. first of all, the rule book, uh, because of the game's <laughs> wacky theme, it has nigh impenetrable terminology that feels so weird when you're mm -hmm. trying to learn the game. And judging on the artwork and its tone and complexity, this is a game you could play with families, an advanced family game for sure. Yeah. But it is potentially a family game, definitely children ages 10 and up, I think, oh, would be 12 fine. On the 12, box. well, I, I say a smart 10-year-old could grasp it. <laughs> okay. A smart 10-year-old who's played a deck builder could grasp it. But there's another problem, and that problem is... So this is a really minor problem, and you might not care, but I do care. Uh, there's a Donald Trump reference in the board game. There is. Uh, so they put in the fascist leader as a joke, obviously. Haha, -ha, so funny. And I, I, I didn't appreciate it. And it, it wasn't even like in a mocking kind of way. Maybe uh, it was mocking his hair. It wasn't, though. It, 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 we were saying it was a supreme hairdo or whatever, right? Well, I think, that's, I think it's been sarcastic. Okay. They're, they're French, right? The designers. Like, yeah, I think okay. they have a sense of humor like that. I mean, one would hope so, right? But like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I know people are going to look at this thing differently, but I think, I think by now it's just cheap and you're getting like, haha, Donald Trump reference points. Yeah, because I think, and I think there's quite a lot of, there's a lot of political humor in France. Right. And mm -hmm. so I think that's what they were doing. I, th I, I didn't see a problem with it at all. No. no, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying it leaves an unpleasant taste in my mouth. Well, I mean, I understand that just because you, you play a board game to get away from the world. No, right? not necessarily. <laughs> no, like you, you, you can play a board game to get away from the world. And I would mm. argue that the game, a game like The Loop is definitely a board game where you really don't want to think about Donald Trump right now. Right. Uh, you want to think about something else, right? If I'm playing Twilight Struggle, you know, go on. Let's yeah. analyze these topics. Let's talk about them. Let's have a conversation about history and politics and, you know, but not, not here. <laughs> not here, please. No, I appreciate that. And that's it. That's 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 my gripes. On the other hand, it does come with a lovely embossed velveteen bag to put the tokens in. Uh, one final thing, actually, yes. I did want to mention uh, the eras. There's there's a, a relatively silly, I mean, not a joke even, but like it's it's funny how it works that there's a you know like a seven eras in the game, and it's the dawn of time, and then medieval Renaissance, yeah. uh, industrial. Uh, then there's the age of robots or something like that. Oh, globalization, age uh -huh, of robots, uh -huh. and then the end of times, and then the dawn of time, and then it keeps yeah, looping. Loop. So yeah, it's it's an, it's a loop, and I did appreciate that. I don't know why I thought that was charming and cute, but I thought it was. The next game we played is Glasgow, a game designed by Mandela Fernandez Grand and a first-time designer, I think, mm -hmm. who is Scottish. 
Glaswegian, I believe. Glaswegian. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. It's published by Lookout Games. Having your first design published by Lookout Games is quite a big deal because Lookout is responsible for a lot of hits. Elaine, is Glasgow a hit? I think so. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Glasgow is a game where you will go round a rondelle, mm -hmm. uh, going on different action spaces and building a city within that Okay. Within that circle. Could you, could you tell us what a rondelle is? A rondelle is a mechanism where you will go around in a circle or a loop, mm -hmm. going on different action spaces. And quite often, it will include the caveat that you can go as far as you like, mm -hmm. but the other player will be allowed to, to take as many actions as they want until they catch up to you. It's a nice mechanism that I absolutely don't enjoy. <laughs> no, uh, but I, I think it's implemented well here. Yeah, I'm... I, I'm, in, I'm Fully aware that I'm in the minority of people who don't enjoy this mechanism. A lot of people really like this system. Mm. Like, hey, you can go as far as you want, but then, you know, ah, uh, well, there's going to be a penalty. The reason I don't like that is because oftentimes you'll be like, well, I've painted myself into a certain strategy, mm -hmm. right? And because of that strategy, there are a lot of spaces that are just not spaces I would ever want to go to because mm -hmm. they don't provide me with anything. Mm -hmm. I have to go to a space that's far away. Yeah. But by doing that, I am providing my opponent with a lot of opportunities to capitalize on that. And it's miserable. You sit there and watch your opponent do all the things that they want to do. And you did one thing and you're like, you did it as a concession as well. You're like, I guess I have to do that. It can kind of back you into a corner as mm -hmm. well because you might end up giving your opponent an action that is better just so that you don't go past them. Yeah, exactly. I must say that as a two-player only game, mm. Glasgow is a lot more palatable as a representative of, of, of that system mm. um, because there's a lot of tactical thinking when it and it's been designed to be a two-player game so every every decision you make in this game has been sort of wound to be that competitive moment of like if i do that then they get to do that and sort of seeing the patterns uh lets you you know be smart and clever and yeah. outplay your opponent which is nice i i, I like the interplay that this creates in a two-player game and even though it's a system that i've never been a big fan of i have enjoyed glasgow but mostly i've enjoyed glasgow because it's a city building game and yes that's the bit that we've been omitting what yes we did uh when i was explaining it to you i said it's a little bit like quadropolis yeah <laughs> in that you are building this city and you're building it together mm -hmm. but uh there is a differentiation between what you have built and what your opponent has built and you will score based on what you have built only really yeah in glasgow at the end of the game the way that you score is that the different types of buildings will score you for different things so like for example there are parks and the more parks that you build uh if you build one park it's only one point but if you build two parks i think it's four points and or three points or, three, or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever it, it, it is it grows, so it yeah. grows right there's a there's a type of building called a quarter shop and if <laughs> you you will only score points for it at the end of the game if you build it exactly on one of the four corners which if you build it early in the game because the corners of the game haven't been defined. Right. It's not like, I'll place it in that place of the grid. The grid is a 4 by 5 grid. Yeah. But it, it grows out from, like, how you a define point. it. Yeah, so yeah. whoever plays first plays 
into the middle of the table mm. effectively and then you grow it yeah. left or right or up or down however you want to build it but what was funny was it's just called shop it's not called corner shop right it's yeah. just called shop and you were like why do you have to put it in the corner oh it's a corner shop yeah. right yeah. which makes a lot of sense it's, it's quite funny mm. it's, it has quite some humor in it i think yeah little soul nods and right. bits that are quite nice i, I like a lot of I like a lot of the presentation in Glasgow as well. It it doesn't do anything outstanding. It's uh, Clemens Franz artwork, mm. and as Clemens Franz artwork, it looks as you would expect <laughs> Clemens Franz yes. artwork to look like. If you're not familiar with Clemens Franz's artwork, uh, if you played any games like Agricola or a, a lot of a lot of Euro games published by Lookout Games and and other publishing companies, you can just Google and have a look, and you will see exactly. How it looks like it has a very stereotypical, dopey-looking, I would say, drunken-looking Scotsman. But maybe I'm applying some some cultural stereotypes here. But he looks quite drunk he on the look, cover. He's got a cup in his hand as well. Yeah, what's in that cup? Who knows? Whiskey. Who knows? Well, you do get whiskey in the game. Of course you do. It's a, it's a game It's a wild resource as yeah. well, right? Whiskey can be traded for anything. Like, you need to mm. build this building, but you don't have enough steel? Oh, it's fine. Just give them some whiskey. They'll build it anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Like Things like that. That's yeah. quite humorous, right? It's also a very quick game, which I think mm. helps. If, if, even if you don't like really that much the rondelle mechanism. Yeah. So, as a puzzle, I really enjoyed Glasgow, actually. I... I it's very tropey. It's incredibly uh-huh. tropey. The the rondelle mechanism is as tropey rondelle as it gets, <laughs> and the city building mechanism is as tropey city uh-huh. building as it yeah. gets. If you played Quadropolis or Glas, uh, not Glasgow, sorry, <laughs> between two cities, <laughs> Glasgow is the game we're talking about right now. Uh, between two cities, if you've played Glasgow, then yeah. this game is exactly <laughs> like Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, what have I done? <laughs> I think we've gone into the time loop. Yeah. I probably. think Dr. Fu has got into your head. Yeah, get out, Dr. Fu. <laughs> uh, did you know that Dr. The, the word Fu is, is a direct <laughs> translation of the Lithuanian version of yuck? So if someone says <laughs> Fu, that to me is like. Uh, Dr. Yuck. Dr. Yuck. Like the Foo right. Fighters. Yuck yeah, fighters. so the Foo Fighters, yeah, I <laughs> have always been the Yuck Fighters for me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yes, but your point stands. Like, if you've played a city builder, this doesn't do anything particularly yeah. outstanding. Compared no, to those. and in some ways, that is a little bit disappointing because when we look at the poetics of a board game, yes. I'm, I'm sorry for using a literary term, I lately have grown into enjoying, you know, understanding what the poetics are and what emotions does this make me feel and resonate. And the emotions that Glasgow makes me feel is it's a city builder with a rondelle on it, mm, right? Mm. So it's very mechanical and dry in that way. But that's fine. You know, for the length of game that it is and for the type of game that it is, I really enjoyed it. I felt it was very tight. I do like the one mechanical innovation in this game is that we build the same city together. Yes. So the decisions you make directly bounce onto me. So, for example, there is a building called... A factory? A, a factory, I think, or something like a factory. That. Yeah, so if you place a factory... Uh, whenever something someone builds another building in that row or column, mm-hmm. my factory will trigger and give me something that that factory produces. Yes. There's another type of building that benefits from being next to the same I think type it's tenements. of tenements. Yeah, tenements. And so if I build a tenement and you build a tenement next to my tenement, then we're both scoring off of each other's tenements. Mm. Or if I build two tenements next to each other, then I'm scoring both of all, off of both of them. 
there's a nice element there of friction within yeah. city building because what never made sense to me is why we're why are we all building like these cities why are they competing with each other and we're not building cities we're just building one city yeah, we're building Glasgow, Glasgow, right yeah. and that's it i quite enjoyed that element uh there's a number of different strategies and generally as a two-player game that works nice because like if i see you go in one strategy uh mm. if it's a strategy i can interact with i might try and do that if it's not i'll try and go in a different strategy so if I see you build parks, I probably won't want to build parks, mm, right? Because there's a limited number of tiles mm. that are going to ever come out. Mm. And there was some variability in the game as well. The two games we played of Glasgow were quite different. So uh, in one of the games, I had a factory that let me uh, replace the existing buildings that are available to be built. Mm. So if I if you went into parks, I could be like, I'm going to you know try and activate that factory so I could get rid of parks from the board mm. uh, so that you would hopefully less score less points mm -hmm. off of parks. Uh, in the second game that we played, none of that ever happened. No. It, it, felt, it had a different feel, but I suspect that after a while, Glasgow is going to be a game that sort of plays itself out. Yeah, I agree with you, but as, as kind of, I guess, dry city builders go, I think this is a pretty solid example of a two-player uh, game that you might want to pop out every so often. Uh, this is a good uh, morning coffee game. I think sure. if, yeah, if you like good, to play a board game it. with your partner uh, during breakfast when you're having coffee and you don't have to think too much about things that doesn't have a lot of, you know, table space sure. that it occupies, Glasgow's pretty great. I would recommend it. Mm -hmm. Which leaves us with only one game. And I hope this game's about butterflies. That is a game about butterflies. Phew. In Thank fact, Mariposas, I believe, is Spanish for butterflies. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So Mariposas is a game I've been quietly excited about and anticipating. It's from designer Elizabeth Hargrave. It's her third game. Mm -hmm. uh, her first game was Wingspan. No one's ever heard of that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's minor, minor blip on the radar about birds. Uh-huh. And then a game we also talked about on the podcast, Tussie Lassie. A game genuinely not a lot of people have heard about, but uh, so far it's my favourite Elizabeth Hargrave game. Well, that's a spoiler. That is a spoiler because Mariposas is my least favourite Elizabeth Tell Hargrave game. Tell us why. Game. It's difficult to say. In some ways, I want to pick this game apart mechanically, but at the same time, I know I would be doing that game a disservice. Mm -hmm. So suffice it to say, at first, that mechanically, I don't think this game works very well. But there is something to be said about why Mariposas exists mm -hmm. the way it is. And I think it's important to look at uh, the games that Elizabeth has designed in the past and the sort of stories that she wants to tell through her designs. Wingspan is very much about the appreciation of nature and birds, animals, mm -hmm. birds, birds are animals. And that game shines based on that. As, as a game, Wingspan, I never enjoyed it that much. Mm -hmm. But as an experience, I think I did. You know, okay. there, was, there were moments in Wingspan where I just enjoyed sitting down and looking at the artwork and looking at listening to the bird sounds of the birds that i've played and learning some facts about them and then watching this portfolio i think it was very smart to design the wingspan boards as sort of like a menu because it looks like a portfolio yeah. you know 
It's, it, it's it, not a menu of birds. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have the duck. <laughs> the ruddy duck, please. That's the joke in the video that I did. I know. Yeah. All right, okay. I watch our videos. All right, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> so I thought there were a lot of smart decisions in that game. And, and, and as an experiential piece of art, I think it works very, very well. Yes. And in fact, I think one of the most disappointing things this year has been uh, the response to Wingspan winning so many awards from the board game enthusiasts mm. who were quite down on it. Like, oh, why does it deserve to win the most innovative mm. game? Well, actually, I think it does. Mm. Because in terms of how it tells its story, in terms of production, mm. and in terms of presentation, it is reaching audiences and creating experiences that other board games simply don't and it's yeah. telling stories that other board games don't and i think that's innovation yeah, I, absolutely well it's not just an, another game about farming or space it's delving into something that hasn't been covered by board games and tells its own story and in a different way yeah and so i was expecting something like that from mariposas mm. and in some ways i can't say that mariposas is a failure because it does do that once again just this time in a much less appealing way. So I think that when I look at uh, this designer's games, I have to look at them in a similar way that I look at war games or conflict simulators, right? Sure. They're, they're more about relaying a thesis, mm -hmm. an idea, and sort of exploring that idea through simulation mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. board game mechanisms. But the difference, of, obviously, with conflict simulators is that they are incredibly bloated and have this thing called Chrome, which is just a lot of added rules, you know, to kind of explain, well, this is how this, this works in this real-life scenario. This or game whatever. is not that. This game doesn't have any Chrome. In fact, in fact, if it ever had any Chrome, it has been filed off judiciously uh, till we're left with nothing but simplicity. And that in itself isn't a problem. It's just that when that simplicity is wholly in favor of telling the story of something and 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 i don't think it's really interested in creating memorable experiences through gameplay and and i think that's where it failed to captivate my attention so mariposas is the story of monarch butterflies this yes. has been so long-winded i'm sorry but we finally got there <laughs> it's yeah, a game about butterflies that uh, are migrating in, migrating they're yeah. in decline it's set in america so they start in mexico and every year they make this journey and so because towards canada towards canada and all the way through america yeah. yeah and the same butterfly doesn't come back and, in fact, and they can only breed in certain places yeah or they they you know they have to eat milkweed that's they the only to. yeah but, but well, sorry mechanically on the board they can only breed in certain places yeah, yeah. where there's milkweed because the larva or something or sure. the caterpillar can that's only all, eat all milkweed eat. yeah, yeah. And so uh, what you effectively have, I remember, so there, there was this encounter with, uh, with a friend of our neighbors once. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and sometimes we have these conversations with, you know, a person we don't know says, so what do you do? And we have to begrudgingly admit as much as I'm happy, fantastically elated and excited that my job is a board game reviewer when I have to explain it to a stranger. I, it's it's loathsome. It's tricky, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so so I have to say, well, I review board games for a living, and they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. And and then 
you know, our neighbor knowing us a little bit better, try to sort of, you know, play it up and say, you know, oh, yeah, they play a lot of games, you know, a lot of games. And their friend said, so what, like Monopoly? And, you know, you, you sort of expect that, you know. And before I could answer, our neighbor said, ah, they're probably, you know, they're probably too advanced for Monopoly. You know, <laughs> Monopoly is probably too, you know, pedestrian for them. And and I tried to kind of reel it back in and make it relatable. And, yeah. and But not, you know, disagree with our neighbor and say, well, you know, uh, in Monopoly, you, you roll a die to move, right? Yes. And that's how many spaces you move, right? Yes. And they immediately went, yes, uh-huh. And I said, so the sort of games that we play, imagine that instead of rolling a die, you had two cards, mm. And those cards would say how much you can move. And then you pick one of them and you play it. And that's how far you move. And our neighbor's friend immediately went, no, that sounds too complicated for me. <laughs> Which I think is a funny story because Mariposas has the mechanism of you have two cards. They say exactly how far you can move. You play one of them and then you go yes. that far. And it's obviously not very complicated. Butterflies can only fly a certain distance. Yeah. Once. So the central action selection mechanism is not particularly interesting for me in Mariposas because sure. it is a step up from roll and move. And it's just, it's, I have nothing against it. It's just a, a mechanism but that you ever are, excited me. You only ever have two, two cards, cards and you will play one of those. And yeah. you will either move one butterfly very far or you will move several butterflies if you have more than one butterfly one or two spaces mm. and 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 some people might say well it's not the mechanism it's what you do with it right mm. and uh, what happens is you you have this map where butterflies want to spread out because they have certain goals that they meet at the end of every <laughs> season right and and that feels very thematic um, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry that was a little just like real life just like real life yeah. yeah they score victory points and stuff you know but yeah, you're you're going to different flowers and you're collecting those flowers to do certain things. Yeah, every space you land on will give you either a flower or like a bonus card. We'll talk about the bonus cards in a second. Uh, and 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 then if you collect enough flowers, you land on a breeding space, you'll be able to breed. Mm -hmm. And then the level two butterfly will be able to breed into a level three butterfly. Right. And the level three butterfly will be able to breed into a level four butterfly. Which and I assume represents. Um, the generations, generations. yes right? yes and the level four will be able to breed into two level four <laughs> they don't really level up uh, but moves as one piece and so the idea is that the goals of the game make you go up into the united states but you score a majority of the points in the game for having level four butterflies yes. back in mexico yeah so they go up and then they go down right and yeah. then the puzzle is uh, when they go, where do they spread, and uh, and when do they come back, and how yeah, many how, of them come how back? How do I get yeah. the the victory point? How do I meet the victory point conditions in America, in the US, right? Mm. And also get my butterflies back down to Mexico in time for the end of the game, so I score, uh, and also make them level four butterflies, yeah, uh, and get them back down to Mexico in time for the end of the game to score points. So. Them. So the scope of this game, in terms of what you're trying to achieve, is you're trying to meet conditions to get victory. Points. Yes. And that is fine. It's just not particularly interesting when, uh, when the majority of points are scored by the same players for the same thing. So if we all have, like, there's, you know, we drew a card that says there's one goal on it. Okay, let's all go, you know, south of, no, north of Atlanta and mm -hmm. then west of houston or whatever right like and land on a red spot i that might not be a valid spot in the game but i you know like th that's the sort of goal you get and then and everyone's gonna go and do that 
and then they either draw the right cards to go and get there and land their pieces there mm. or, or they, they don't and and you know when we finished the game we had the same number of level four butterflies yeah. back and we scored four uh we scored that many points from it and you know that like I, I feel like maybe you could map that puzzle out and if you're lucky and land on the right spaces at the right times and you might end up with like an extra butterfly but the number of moves regardless of what cards you draw yeah. in the game is sort of going to be very similar between between the players and and you're not gonna if you're gonna get more it's not gonna be skill it's gonna be luck i didn't feel like i i didn't hate the game but i didn't feel like i had enough agency within it because mm. of that so i i felt like ex exactly what i was trying to do was what it said on the card yeah. that i didn't have much choice in how i was going to do that because there's not much scope for cause, because all you're doing is moving your mm. butterflies and then maybe breeding and multiplying yeah and you multiplying know, yeah um i didn't feel that w there was enough decision in the different things I could do because that was my goal and that's what I had to do. Um, well, there's one other thing you could do in this game, which is go to way stations. This is true. And in fact, that's what I ended up doing because because we, we both had the same goal and mm. because we had both achieved that goal, we had the exact same number of points. Yeah. So when you go to a way station, um, as well as getting a flower, mm -hmm. you will also uh, potentially be able to get one of the cards. Three in four chance. A 75% chance. Three in four chance. Okay. Uh, uh, if the game starts and you haven't got any cards because you can't go to the same way station again sure. if you've got the card. Yeah, it's like a little token on the board that you flip yeah. over and it may show a token that represents a life cycle card yeah. uh, and the life cycle cards are kind of like a little set collection where there are uh, three different colors three different colors and four different types of um, yeah. stages of the butterfly so there's the option to try and collect those and once it is revealed another player can go there and also mm. get one which is probably fine in a four-player game, but a four-player game is not what we played. No, we played a two-player, and it seems ridiculously difficult to both get up through the US, multiply your butterflies, get back down, and also go to these way stations and get adequate, or flip adequate tokens to get enough cards to make the chances it aren't there no yeah. basically if you get a life cycle card it's a point which is negligible but if you get all four of the same color you get like a nice bonus right. which is would sort of be worth it if you could engineer a way where like oh yeah i got you know i'll go there i'll go there i'll make a strategy and i'll collect these cards but there but is no so strategy because, because they're random yeah they're entirely random and even in a four player game like if one player starts to engage in the life cycle cards if the other three players decide to ignore that one player mm. they're like oh okay i started collecting these cards but they're pointless and not only that when you collect life cycle cards right yes. it forces you to move that butterfly again if you want to score off the scoring conditions yes. as well because way stations do not have a color and scoring conditions frequently say you have to land on a space of that type of color mm. and that means you have to move that butterfly again and because every move is sort of counted for mm. in this game you don't want to do that it's a distraction no. from actually scoring points and thus it feels flabby flabby is the word <laughs> i want to use yeah maybe but but that's what i was going to say so that is what i ended up doing trying to flip these way station tokens to see if i could get another card which would give me close. an extra point so that 
Yeah. Because we had the same amount of points at that point. Yeah. At that point. Uh, and it was impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Or I couldn't. I couldn't go past because you. Because you won't necessarily even get a waste a life cycle. No, exactly. Card. Yeah, exactly. And that that was a little bit frustrating. And I'm not sure that I enjoyed that part of it. Has the game taught me more about monarch butterflies? Yes. yes. The rulebook is actually really good, and it tells me a lot about butterflies. And I've learned a thing, and for that I am grateful. But I will have to admit that I did not have to play the game for that. And I think. I think that's a disappointment. I think also the artwork is a disappointment for me. I know the cover looks really catching, and I think it is. Mm. Uh, the board has what I call color scream. Uh, <laughs> it makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, I had the same issue with many 18xx games where the contrast yeah. of the colors is so stark that uh, the colors just scream at me, and because I have. ADHD, it's information overload. And yeah, the, the, I don't because like it. because the hexes, um, there's kind of uh, bands of different colors. So mm. I, I don't know what order it is, but like red, yellow, green, blue, yeah. whatever. Bands of these colors, but within those bands, each flower is a different color again. So mm. there's, I don't know, some flowers and red flowers. Yeah. <laughs> And so there's so many different colors going on at once that I think your brain just found that very difficult to It's really to also cope hard with. to handle against a black backdrop. If it was against a white backdrop, I think maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it would have been equally, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I found the color very hard to process in this game and I normally don't struggle with color at all. And this was excruciatingly difficult. So not, I could, I could tell what everything was. It was just unpleasant. And that's Mariposas. So far, one of the biggest disappointments of the year for me because I was very excited about this game and it just sort of didn't live up to my expectations. But if you are excited about an Elizabeth Hargrave game that could be a hit, I would suggest to stay tuned uh, onto our YouTube channel, um, no pun included, on YouTube. And uh, there's going to be a review of Tassimasi coming and we will be a lot more positive about that game. Efka, I don't think you've spoken enough during this uh, oh, podcast. No. Oh, uh, no. okay. Well, <laughs> I think you will speak throughout this segment, if I'm honest, Elaine. Why don't you tell us about something that you are grumpy about? Elaine, today yes. I'm going to be grumping about War Chest. What? Why? I be love that game. I know. I expected a slightly stronger reaction, actually, knowing how much you love War Chest. But I, well, I trust you by now. Well, will you after <laughs> this? So, my grump is not specifically so much with War Chest, uh -huh. but the meta-narrative on the cover of War Chest. Right. Specifically, there is a bit when you... So, War Chest is a tactical two or four player game yes. of uh, poker chips representing soldiers fighting yes. it out on a field of battle that is as abstract as all heck and I love it. Uh -huh. I love War Chest. It's a great game. And I there's one bit in it that I don't love. So the, right. the box itself, all the poker chips, they come looks in a, lovely. In a chest like simulacrum. War chest. Of a, yes. of a cardboard box that unclaps with magnets magnets and then when you unclasp it uh -huh. there's a bit at the back yes that says on the day of his child's birth the leader of the kingdom received gifts from dignitaries well wishes and counselors 
The king's greatest friend had been an old general who had advised him and helped him protect his kingdom. He handed the young father a chest. Uh-huh. This is not for you, my king. This is for your child, he smiled. I didn't sound like I was smiling. I'm sorry. But there was a <laughs> tiredness behind his eyes. There's, I definitely sense a tiredness behind my eyes. We have built a great kingdom, and these old eyes know that you will continue to rule it with honor and strength. But there will come a day when rule will be passed onto this young one. He looked back at the court full of dignitaries from other kingdoms. I have taught you all I can, and it is my belief that you have proven to your allies and your enemies that your kingdom is not to be tested and so on and on and on it goes anyway the, the son goes what's in this chest what's in this chest the, the son opens the chest guess what's in it elaine what's in it Africa? it's a board game what, what? meta narrative <laughs> i hate this kind of meta narrative in Why? board games it's naff and tedious okay okay like so the pretense oh, here. Okay. The pretense so, so just here. have a game that goes, okay, here's a farm. Do a farm. Yeah, right? I'll take a farm over this. And you know why? why? Right, okay, so the pretense is that this is meant to be. This chest that I'm holding in my yes. hand, right, is the cha same chest. No, it's a replica. It's a replica, yes. right? So so when this young king, you know, turned this chest around and went, oh, oh, father, thine father, what is in thine <laughs> chest? Thine father? Yeah. What? A medieval boy, you know, that's what I imagine a medieval boy it's sounds nonsense. like. It's a board game, young prince. Oh, oh, thine father, and what is well, this on the back? Sorry, why is he going like German? Like, I don't know. And, and, and then the king goes, that, my son, is a barcode. It's an EAN code to identify well, no. the product's number. They've had to... <laughs> They've had to modernise it, haven't they? They can't yeah. give you a flipping wooden actual chest. And what is this round coin? Can they? This is not a coin, young prince. This is a poker chip from a game of chance from millennia in the future. Not millennia. Not millennia, because this isn't from like 5,000 years ago, is it? Oh, it could be. No, it, it's not, is it, though? It, it's You're. Are you really like annoyed about this abstract game and it's narrative no i'm i'm annoyed about, like i'm annoyed about this bit are you really annoyed by backstory right okay so elaine in in the loop uh dr foo strikes back back yes. back <laughs> right there's a bit in the rule book uh -huh. where it says like oh you know like we devised this plan how to deal with dr foo and we decided that uh, the plan was going to be when we traveled in 2008, we found that this mechanism of drawing cards and playing cards and cycling the deck, you know, was very mm -hmm. effective mm -hmm. dealing with mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. problems. You know why? It's, you know why it's 2008? Tell me why it's 2008. I don't know. Because Dominion, the first deck builder, was invented I in see. 2008. Ah ha ha! An right, insider that, joke. Ah, but that—that's different. That's an inside joke, right? Right. Like, so that's worse. It, it for me, that's worse because if I don't understand what happened in 2008, mm. then I don't get that, and I don't understand the the joke. This isn't supposed to be a joke. This is just supposed to be like a backstory of but how I it came don't to believe it. Like, it's they like, don't no, have no, magnets, listen, magnetic listen, clasps, right? But, no, but they like, don't. Have have poker chips it's like um when people buy a replica of the one ring they don't think they're actually buying a ring that you know they're gonna have to chuck into mordor and because like, do it's i gonna... have lord of do i love lord of the rings yes do i love love yes. love lord of the yes. rings did you ever see me buy one of those i'm rings? not saying it's for you 
right. I'm just making that comparison, mm. right? That it's it's a replica and just like an artifact that you have, and this is the same, but this is a game. This is a replica of that time of something that you know people have. Why do people buy souvenirs of the Eiffel Tower? They don't really think they're buying the Eiffel Tower, do they? Would you buy a souvenir of the Eiffel Tower? Personally, yes, probably not. Why? That- no, answer why. <laughs> Because I don't need more tchotchkes in my house. There we go. But this isn't a tchotchke, is it? It's it a game. It makes me feel like it's a tchotchke. But it's not. It's a really good game. Yeah, if this I was know. A bad why game, tarnish it with this? Because it's a bit of fun. Why do you hate fun, Efka? No, I hate naffness. Why do you hate fun? It's naff. It's not. It's, it's neat. Like, and this was Efka Grumps about a board game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's... <sighs> Why you like this? I don't know. I hope our audience enjoyed that. This was not manufactured, and I genuinely didn't know I was going to. Efka said to me, uh, he ran upstairs to take a picture, and I was like, "What are you taking a picture of?" He said, "I'm not telling you because I want to have your like straight reaction to this." Well, we got. I don't it. want you to know what I'm going to be talking about. Now that I've sufficiently and rightfully grumped <laughs> a board game, Elaine, why don't you bring a little bit of positivity and tell me what today's Elaine Ungrumps a board game is about. It's again, it's not about a board game. That's I, fine. It's never about a board game. Uh, this time, I would like to talk a little bit about Elizabeth Hargrave. Who, oh, what a surprise! Uh, right, we have already spoken about Elizabeth Hargrave in this podcast for her game Mariposas. But there's a couple of things that I want to mention about her. Firstly, uh, the game design side. I think uh, she is such a fresh has a fresh new take on games like all her designs whether it's about flowers or birds or butterflies it's something different that we don't really see in in the sort of more popular i'm sure there are games out there about those things but we don't see them in the more popular board games that in in the limelight of in the limelight right exactly and and they're educational right yeah firstly they're educational but i think it brings in that whole different audience people that maybe haven't played games that much but really like birds or Mm. really like butterflies um it opens it up opens the game world up to to those new audiences well the thing is when i think about a game that's like about butterflies normally what i imagine is some sort of an abstract thing going on with maybe butterflies as a theme in artwork or maybe components but it usually doesn't really tell the story of but her games really center on that thing so the Mm. butterflies and the the life cycle of the butterflies and their migration or and they Mm. teach you more about birds or butterflies or or flowers and that for me is a pretty powerful thing so that's kind of the first bit that i wanted to mention her for but the second part is that i think that she recognizes how difficult it is to be a not a white man (laughs) designing board games Mm. and what she has done on her website is to try and showcase other people so she's really amplifying different voices via the pages on her website so there's a whole section on black voices in board games and a whole section on women and non-binary designers so the black voices in board games covers artists media people content creators all of those kinds of things and the women and non-binary designers are designers from all over the world so it's not just i think when we look at board games quite often because because 
uh, we play games in English, they're quite often America-centric. Yeah, the Western-centric. Uh, they're West, yeah. very Western-centric. And I think her website does such a nice job of showing off that games aren't just designed by white male Americans, right? Mm. Or, or that's not just who covers games in reviews, or that's not just who does the artwork. And it's such a nice place to have everything together. And I've seen the website grow over time. Uh, and I hope that voices keep being added to it and, and pictures keep being added to it. Where could people find this website? If people go to elizabethhargrave.com, uh, spelt like it sounds, oh, uh, <laughs> you're right, yeah. uh, they will be able to find that. As, as well as uh, it shows what games she's designed herself and things like that. But it, it's nice to have it all in one place because particularly if you're not on Twitter, then mm -hmm. you tend to miss out on things like the hashtag uh, drawing well black and things like that. So it's nice to have that resource to look at. Yeah, I can imagine not. I, I know that you left Twitter recently right. and I, I I wouldn't know where to go and find that information. I don't think Board Game Geek is very good for that because most imagine threads like that exist. Uh, Some there are user made threads on yes. on and user made um, lists, lists yeah. on on that kind of thing, but it can be quite difficult to find sometimes. Board Game Geek is a hit or miss place in terms of negativity and positivity. So yes, uh, having an, a website just collates that information and has it ready for you, like uh, and especially useful for uh, publishers who mm. are maybe looking to diversify sure. uh, their portfolio and you know there's one place where you can just go and there's the information right without any of the noise mm, exactly uh, yeah exactly i think a lot of people can yeah. get lost in that noise there are uh, so many designers and artists out there but they can be hard to find mm. well that was enlightening and educational i did not know about this website and i'm glad i discovered that it exists thank you very mm. much elaine Shall we move on to the next feature of this podcast, which is the... <laughs> oh, gosh. One and done escape room Unlo puzzle deduction something feature. Yeah. Uh, this time it is Unlock Heroic Adventures in Pursuit of the White Rabbit. So Unlock is the overall name of mm -hmm. the games. And then Heroic Adventures is a set uh, of three different um adventures, adventures which can be bought separately in, in north america north america and conjoined everywhere else yes uh i will note that we've already covered one adventure from this which is the sherlock holmes one yes uh now we're covering the effectively alice in wonderland one uh we've also might briefly mention the third yes. uh adventure in this set uh i think splitting them up into uh individual adventures covering i think in the future when we do unlock we're just probably going to cover one box Maybe. and what so we can sort of put put an end stop on heroic adventures and uh hmm. move on to expanding the segment into maybe three if we ever do unlock in pursuit of the white rabbit is a alice in wonderland themed unlock which i know you've been incredibly excited about i've been desperate to play this you've for mentioned ages. it on this podcast a number of times uh and you mentioned it outside of this podcast a number of times more <laughs> have i yes have I? yes uh, i i know you're a big fan of alice in wonderland and yeah. you've been really excited to play this has it lived up to your expectations 
Oh. I, I don't know oh. if it has. Okay, can I start? Then? Yeah, of course um, you can. So I don't have a lot of relationship with Alice in Wonderland apart from having read the book when I was about 12 and remembering quite enjoying it mm -hmm. and having a nice time with it and thinking it's quite creative and, you know, uh, a little bit different. And, and that was sort of that for me. Mm. Uh, and I'm obviously aware of the many visual styles that have sure. sprung from the story sure. because they sort of reverberate from media and i thought that in some ways it emulated those things in a familiar way and the sort of i don't want to use the word trippy because i know sure. lewis carroll is associated <laughs> with lsd a lot uh, sure. there yeah there, there there is a certain sort of element of, of the trippiness of the artwork and also there is a um, sense of the surreal and the uncanny and things don't quite making cohesive sense. Mm -hmm. And when you start out of the game, uh, you, you hit the familiar Alice in Wonderland tropes of things like, you know, mm -hmm. shrinking and growing and yeah. stuff like that that you would expect yes. for this unlock puzzle to have. You have that, but you also have puzzles that have you thinking in a very lateral way yes that's that's my initial impression of it yeah it, it lists it as the most difficult puzzle in the box well actually or set in the box. tom basil said yes. this is the most difficult board game style escape room game that he's played when he covered it so that might have changed by now sure but okay. i remember hmm. watching his video on the heroic adventures box and him mentioning that this one was oh boy you know kind of level i think uh it does because it has those kinds of slightly trippy puzzles and mm. it has some quite quite difficult mathematical puzzles in it or, mm. or lit lateral mathematical, mathematical puzzles. puzzles yeah it, it can be quite hard to get your brain in that space but i think once you do um then it's just like any other unlock or any other escape room or is it though so or is it here's the thing mm. what really tripped me up about this one was not so much the execution of the theme uh -huh. but more that it was that i had to retune my brain and go no this is this is gonna work differently these mm -hmm. puzzles mm -hmm. are not like the puzzles i've yes. had before i have to think about it not within the logic of escape room games but more within the logic of alice in wonderland right until that stops right and it becomes right uh just a escape room i game. think that's that was the tricky part was that you retune your brain at the beginning because there are those puzzles yeah. and then there are puzzles that are kind of literal and you're like you're you're overthinking it horribly because you're trying to find something that's not there yeah and and that's the bit that we got stuck on <laughs> a few times multiple times yeah. yeah so i didn't think the puzzles were that hard it's just that it asks you to switch your brain mm. so many times that you're like wait a minute what type of puzzle is this is yeah. this like alice in wonderland now or is this a typical escape room puzzle or sure. what am i trying to achieve what are my goals I'm confused. I, I didn't feel like... I, I felt like it it played with the tropes of Alice in Wonderland in an interesting way in terms of how it applied them to puzzles. And once you figure out how to do the puzzle, you're like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. 
right? But getting there was incredibly frustrating. But I think that kind of adds to it because it's this weird up and down, mm -hmm. shrinking and growing and this and that. That's kind of what your brain is doing while you're going through it. Like yeah. you have to think in this way and then you have to think in this way and then you're back to the first one. Like it's making you feel as giddy as she feels in the story. Right. right? It's an experience. Is it a good experience? I think so. Okay. I, I didn't dislike it no okay so then can we talk about the ending without obviously spoiling it at all M maybe the ending has a bit more physicality you will understand the phys it's not a spoiler even you will know that there is physicality in yeah the as ending. soon as you open the yeah. box <laughs> pretty much can i just say how much i hated that bit? yeah it yeah. was so it was asking you to do a thing that first of all requires a lot of manual dexterity. Yes, which I don't have. And neither do I. And not only that, it doesn't... The tools that it gives you are not really adequate tools. No. And I found the whole... Once I realized what I must do, I became very angry and disappointed. Yes. And it, it, it rivaled the ending of... Uh, I remember the very first time when we played Unlock in the first box. It was... <laughs> The Doctor No Side Adventure, oh God. and it had a bit that made us overthink it entirely, and uh -huh. it was incredibly simple. Uh -huh. And but they sort of hit it, and it was really frustrating. And and whilst like that pales in comparison to this, I think completely. This was this yeah, was, maybe. And if, in terms of our experiences personally, I think that the first one, the No Side one, frustrated us a lot more. But I think in terms of how people are going to approach it once they're familiar with escape room games they're gonna this is this is a more ultimately annoying one this was kind of frustrating because it was one of those puzzles that we just physically couldn't do and even when but the we, solution is really simple right right and even yeah. when we looked we ended up looking up the solution didn't yeah, we i think yeah, yeah um and we couldn't even make it work once we looked up the solution because we just couldn't physically do the do, thing. do what it wanted yeah, us to because do because the components don't um, really so that was allow for that that was very frustrating yes yeah i did not enjoy this because um anything pretty much that you know is lewis carroll i'm probably what even the tim burton film yeah because it's just another take on it just don't try and make it canon i think that's what annoys me when when people yeah. quote things from that film and go oh, yeah this is an alice in wonderland quote well no it's not it's from the film that's fine but don't pretend it's from the book uh, <laughs> sorry did i, I ranted a little yeah, bit you sorry did. i'm yeah. so sorry i enjoyed it um, but that, i mean that's a good point like i think this game suffers from something that a lot of alice spin-offs suffer from it, it, which is that the story of alice in wonderland is the thing that is engaging right mm -hmm. Th that engages a lot of people if you're five years old or if you're 105 like that's what engages people that kind of weird adventure with a heroine figure right yeah but the the story is very very clever like what it does is very clever the, the puzzles in it are very clever the things that she says um and the things that happen in the in the book are often quite logical or mathematical puzzles mm -hmm. and i think this suffers from a similar thing that quite a lot of spin-offs do in that it doesn't quite have that feeling 
And um, I, the reason I was really looking forward to this is because it's a puzzle game, right? Yeah. Because you have to solve these puzzles to to uh, advance. And 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 the other thing was was that if you do know the book, then it's going to throw you probably a little bit because the way the story without spoiling anything the way the story kind of plays out in the game mm. is has elements of the of the book but they're all in random places and they don't mm. do the things that it they do in the book right so and i know uh, that generally in escape room games you don't need any real world knowledge to play them and so that's fine but then maybe don't throw people with those those elements i don't know i don't know it just I don't know. I, I feel like those elements are very well known and very familiar. I guess maybe again in a Western centric world, they are more familiar, you know, sure. but uh, I, I, the Alice in Wonderland story is, is, is timeless and pervasive, you yeah. know, and, and the elements that he used, I felt like even I, who had very little knowledge of the whole thing was fairly able to piece it all together. But that's, that's my know? point. Like yeah. if you don't know the story, then you're probably going to be able to work out the puzzles better than if you do. Yeah. The only the only thing was about the kind of the shrinking and the... Mm -hmm. You kind of needed to know a little bit about the story for that. But And, and that's kind of, I think, why when, when we started playing the rest of it, I thought, oh, okay, well, this must be related to this then mm -hmm. because it is in the story. Just like that puzzle we just did, yeah. you had to know a bit of the story. And it was nothing like it. And it, it just... It puzzled it my brain. Really threw you for a loop. Yeah. Very quickly, let's talk about Inset Coin, which yes. is the last adventure in the Heroic Adventures box. No, it's the of, first one, really. It is the first yeah. one, really. But it, it, the last one that we we're going to talk about and the mm -hmm. last one we played, mm -hmm. uh, this is the best that Unlock has uh, got to offer. This is Unlock at its finest, where it goes, <laughs> what can we do with this medium of cards uh -huh. that is just out uh -huh. there? and colorful and bright so uh, it takes the theme of uh arcade games yeah uh, you it's basically all, all the arcade game tropes that you can imagine is pixel artwork mm -hmm. does it put you in a game i'm not going to spoil it but even if you think that question is a spoiler <laughs> it's not that's kind of insert coin i i don't want to say too much because everything in insert coin was a delight and a surprise there were some bits that were a little bit frustrating yeah but it's it's the nature of escape games but it did some very clever things it that, some... that i haven't seen before in escape room puzzles yeah it did many clever things right it is one of my favorite escape yeah, room adventures that i played um, we just broke it out the other night without any sort of like hey let's just give the last one a go wow completely blown away would recommend that yeah would recommend the sherlock holmes one as yeah. well because you solve an actual you know mystery and Alice in Wonderland. If you're if you're buying the entire box, forget if the you're last in... puzzle. Would you what would you say that was? I mean, worth it. Like okay, so if you're in America, maybe if you're an Alice in Wonderland fan, and if mm. you or if you like thinking laterally, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not living in America and you have to buy the whole box anyway, I think this box is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the Alice in Wonderland adventures is just an added bonus, but mm -hmm. like the first two adventures alone are well worth the entry cost. Mm -hmm. So that's unlock heroic adventures. Uh, we were probably going to return in the next episode with more Unlock because Unlock Star Wars has <laughs> yeah, released. Well, yeah. And my word, <laughs> am I there for it? <laughs> well, is that it, Efka? Or mm. have we got something else? It's the feature oh, board yes. game of the podcast. Which is? The King is Dead, second oh, no. edition uh, by <laughs> Pear Sylvester. 
Um, who... Oh, that's the name of the game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's fine then. That's not the full name. It's not like the loop Dr. Foo strikes back, back, back. <laughs> All right. It's just the king is dead. Right. Then we mention it's the second edition. Okay. And then designers <laughs> okay. Pear Lester uh-huh. from Osprey Games. Mm-hmm. So this was not going to be the feature of our podcast because we decided that we're going to cover The King is Dead via video form yeah. at some point in the future as soon as we finish our pocket series. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, we got a early copy of The King is Dead. Osprey Games are generally very good at sending media mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. early copies, so people in, in yeah, media get very, it a little bit early before the that. game's released, so they can, you know, uh, purchasers can make an informed decision. So I, I always applaud them for that. Mm. And they're very good at sending out review copies uh, to a diverse range of reviewers, I believe. Uh, and uh, so we get a lot of games from Osprey. Yeah. And not all of them are always hits, mm. but we always give them a try. And we opened The King is Dead, and first of all, we were surprised by fantastic artwork. Yes. And then we played it. Gilded board. Mm. Mm. And then we played it again, yes. immediately yeah, afterwards. Yeah, we did. And then we played it again, and I think we're somewhere eight games in or something yeah, like that we with played it again and again and so we wanted to cover glasgow as the feature uh board game of this episode and we might talk about glasgow more in the future although mm. i think we've said everything we wanted Maybe. to say about it but then we just kept on playing the king yeah. is dead and now we want to talk about the king is dead because it feels different and interesting and good so like like you said it's it's a second edition and i've i've known about this game for ages and mm. everyone said it's really good mm. and so i was really excited to to learn this and play this and the rule book is really good too it's like two pages long right mm-hmm. and it's super simple and all all you're doing you have a map of uh, great britain and there are three factions i guess three countries that are represented england scotland and wales represented by cubes and you are trying to as always enge- <laughs> sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you're trying to engineer uh, the amount of followers represented by these cubes in different areas of England, Scotland and Wales. I remember when you were teaching this game to me, you mm. immediately said, well, this game is not historically accurate because in this game, Wales could be the, you know, like... <laughs> the victor. The victor of England, United Kingdom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the that's next true. king. And you're like, that's never going to happen. I'm like, what about Scotland? And you're like, Scotland's fine. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going against Wales, Elaine? No. Wow, wow. Just out me on the podcast. I know, right? uh, No, I love Wales. Um, I have been there several times. I've you really... wanted us to move to Cardiff, didn't I you? Did, yeah. Yeah. I did, yeah. I think Cardiff is beautiful, but I'm not sure that um, Wales really has the chops to, um, to, to rule the whole of the wow. UK. Um, wow. I don't know. I don't know. They, I would love to be pleasantly surprised by them, but they don't even have their own. Like, and, and whatever. No, stop. No, uh, finish that <laughs> sentence right now. Well, they don't even have their own parliament. Well, that's true. Like, that's, that, true. that's all. That was yeah. my point. Like, like so. So the way that uh, for anybody that that isn't familiar with like how Britain works, uh, Scotland is an entity unto its own, and then England. Wa- England and Wales is always grouped together, right? right? So the law, pretty much the laws that apply in England and, apply in Wales, And right? Northern Ireland is a lot more complicated. No, yeah, well, yeah, but this game doesn't have Northern Ireland in no. it, so we're ignoring Can, can I just say, when you yeah. said, for those who are not familiar with how Britain works, yeah. I thought you were going to finish that sentence with, 
Well, it doesn't. <laughs> Currently, Currently, not at all. No, yeah. um, but um, that was three a horrible countries, thing for you to say. Three colors of cubes. Three colors of cubes. Yes, uh, and you are trying to engineer it so that um, the followers in certain areas. Sorry, really threw me. The followers in certain areas outnumber other followers. So. Uh, for example, if there are the most Scottish followers in an area, then Scotland will um, be in charge of that area of England. And then you work through various regions of England, Scotland and Wales. And uh, the country that rules the most or has the most popularity in the most regions um, is going to be the winning country. To be the winning country. But that, does that mean that no, you win the game? No, because you don't play as a country. Mm. You also take followers. You put followers from the board into your area. And if you have the most followers of the winning country, then you win the game. Which sounds simple. Which sounds simple. But, but it's, it's very thinky. It's not simple at all because there is a lot of caveats. It's like chess. So it's not quite like chess. So first of all, we've, we've only played this game two players so far. And yes. there is a four player mode right. and, and a three player. So we're only going to be relating to the two player experience, mm -hmm. which works great. But as I far think as it's I'm very concerned. much engineered to be working well at a two player game. Mm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of puzzlement in this game because first of all, what if two countries tie for popularity at the end of the well, game? Well, then... If the two most powerful factions are tied, then the last country that won a power struggle is the is one the that's the victory. So anticipating that and having the right number of cubes is difficult because here's sort of the tenor of this game. There are effectively eight actions that right. each of us are going to do. Those eight actions are represented by different cards that let you do different maneuvers. Mm -hmm. So for example, there'll be a card that says, take one of each color cube, there's three cubes, add them to like regions of your choices. You yes. Bung them all into the same region, bung them into whatever regions you like, distribute them however you like, your choice. That's one action. There's another action that says, take one cube from one adjacent region and replace it with two cubes from a different adjacent mm -hmm. region, right? Mm -hmm. And any action that you do, after you've done that action, you get to take a cube from any region, wherever in yes. the world, and then well, the world being Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere in the world Britain. Yeah. And then put it together with the followers that you have so yes. that that's going towards the count if you're going to win the game with the right cubes etc etc right so each time you are playing not like an area majority game even though it is an area majority sure. game right sure because hey like theoretically if i keep taking yellow cubes mm -hmm. and also ye yellow discs like areas keep getting won by yellow which yeah. is england and yeah. yellow discs keep getting put on the board and there's the majority of yellow discs at the end of the game and i have the most yellow cubes yeah i am going to win the game yes right except it never works like that no right you want it to work <laughs> like that but that's not how it plays out because as soon as someone starts seeing that you're taking yellow cubes you're trying to make yellow happen. Right. They're going to do everything to not make yellow happen. And because there are three armies, not two, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. Like red and blue can outnumber you. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so like your opponent will have fights that they can win with red, fights that they, we can, can win with blue. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, because cards are distributed in a way where like you have equal resources in all armies right if you push yourself into one direction kind of yeah the other directions are going to overwhelm you 
right? Yes. And so if you go with simplistic strategies, like I'm just going to make one faction happen, yes. you're going to lose. Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Unless you are trying to sabotage it and have instability. Well, which... that's where I was going to say, right? you're not playing an area majority game, you're playing a mind game. Right. 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 Like, <laughs> right. You because, yeah. are messing with people and you're messing with people's brains. And at all <laughs> steps of this game, you are trying to make people think, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Wink, when, wink. When maybe you're not. Nudge, nudge. Because uh, the other thing that you can do, the the other way the game ends is um, France is uh, has these instability discs in it. And mm -hmm. if when it comes to the uh, faction... Wait, France is in this game? I thought it was just Britain. Plot twist. Wow, 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 wow. I'm sorry. Was that necessary? You look so disappointed in Was me. Was that necessary? I yeah, you know, like bringing some pizzazz to this podcast, Elaine. For goodness sake. Um, when it comes to the resolution of the the power struggle, uh -huh. if two countries are tied in that region, or more than two countries are tied in that region. Well, it's the two winning, like whoever has the most, and they're tied, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, if it is, uh, yeah, if it's tied, then that region becomes unstable, which means gets... no one wins it. Right. Yeah. But uh, the game will end if three instability discs are put out on the board, and then you win the game if if you have the most sets of followers so red green red green blue no red yeah, yellow red, yellow red, yellow, yellow. Red, yellow blue, yeah. <laughs> red yellow blue red yellow blue red yellow blue uh so the more you have of those sets is the better because you but obviously if you're going for sets you're also telegraphing that what you're doing yes. is you're trying to cause instability yes and it's interesting because frequently what happens in the king is dead is you're trying to pretend that you're playing in one a different way. game yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. so like you'll be like uh well i'm playing for instability i'm playing for instability but because you sort of know what cards your opponents have because the cards are symmetrical mm. right you know what they have left so you can always anticipate what moves they're going to try and make at the end you don't necessarily know what they have left but if you've if you've paid attention then you will so here's the clever streak uh -huh. of this game i uh -huh. love this uh -huh. right uh, -huh. uh so there are eight rounds in the game correct right and each round an area is going to be checked mm -hmm. and we'll see who wins that area mm -hmm. and then that area is mm -hmm. you know done for we put a disc on it mm -hmm. it now belongs to the welsh or the yep. scottish right yep. and you also have eight cards yes and that's the eight actions you will have in this entire game yes you could theoretically spend all of your eight cards <laughs> you on the could. very first hand of the game. You if you wanted, it would be stupid, but you could. Uh -huh. And uh, then you would sit for the rest of the game and do nothing. You don't do that. <laughs> no. Uh, but there is a nice push and pull of like, if I really want a specific country to win a region, mm. I could really make it happen. Yeah. Or maybe even like, I don't want this country to win, but if I sit this one out... I'll have more action cards towards the end of the game. Yeah. And it's smart. And we had some games where literally for the first half of the game, we're like, pass. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> and then next okay. area and pass. Pass. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Next area. And then it all like blew up. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. 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 It was, it was weird. That, that was fun. That mm. was a lot of fun. What I also liked is that although you're not playing as a certain country you do start the game with two random followers from the bag so 
what what's really weird is if if your followers are completely different from your opponent then uh you you're trying to make different country win yes that area right yes uh, if, to... if people can hear a screaming baby by the way oh, yeah, right now uh, this is our neighbor's baby yes. we don't have a screaming baby inside <laughs> no. the house but if you draw the same cubes right it almost becomes a cooperative effort right yeah. at the beginning so you're both trying to make the same country win the power struggle mm. but then <laughs> it goes off into these branches well, i think what i loved was the arc of how i discovered how this game plays and mm. each time i played it i discovered that no it plays in a completely different way than i actually uh -huh. thought it plays uh -huh. so first i thought okay so this is mind games right uh, okay, and then the next time I play, I suddenly realized, wait a minute, like we effectively have 10 cubes at the end of the game because we have two cubes at the start of the game and then each card we play, we can take off a cube from the board and uh -huh. put it, right? So in practice, maybe it doesn't even matter who wins, right? It doesn't even matter, like because every card we play, it affects a power struggle on the board. But none of those power struggles matter because all that matters at the end of the game is what cubes I have uh -huh. and do I have more of the right cube than uh -huh. you do, yes. right? So potentially I could not play a single card in this game until uh -huh. the very end and then just try and collect the right cubes. Maybe, but yeah, maybe, okay. But I think I would be incredibly disadvantaged if that happened because you would be engineering the thing that you want to do. Yeah. There, there are easily situations where like, just I couldn't outpace you with the right number of cubes. Yes. And... And because so, there may be there like I've taken all the yellow cubes and yellow is winning and, yellow and is then winning. there's none left right? right and and so that's where the clever bit of this game comes because there are so many ways to approach it and I, I you keep just launching your head at it and going well, if I do this I could maybe break this game you know <laughs> like I could just we could just go mad here you can't, you can't. No. really everything has been accounted for and I think that's sort of one of the appeals of it for me because you can literally launch yourself at this game, try and mm -hmm. attack it from different angles, and it stands up to that robustness. And also, every time it feels like I'm playing, you know, I'm still playing like a very yeah. confrontational, very to and fro game, strategy game against my opponent. And it feels lively and dynamic and different each time we play. Mm. And then, once we played about, like, three or four games... Oh, we played the advanced one. Elaine said to me, do you know there's advanced cards? And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the advanced cards. So you take out a few cards from your hand, uh, yeah. and then you add in others. And those cards, I think there's 12, uh, mm. and they're all unique cards so as efka said before like you have the same cards when you start the game you have the same eight cards right mm -hmm. as your opponent so you know exactly what they can play mm. but uh you take out three of those identical cards and you add in three individual ones that only you have and only your opponent has and, only and then the, you know and, what they are right and then the rest go back into the box so as i said i think there's 12 so out of mm -hmm. that you only know your opponent doesn't have three of them yeah right because you have them yeah when you told me the rules for that i was genuinely scared so that, <laughs> this game is so don't get me wrong this game is incredibly simple there's not a lot of rules complexity to it but when i understood the implication of what it means to take out three cards from my deck and add three cards that you don't know anything about apart from like yeah. they're from the potential 12 uh -huh. right uh -huh. i was like well, this is game just completely blew wide open and i you it know changed. this is after 
after every game, I thought this game blew completely wide <laughs> open. So let me tell you about a card I got, sure. right? So I opened my cards and two of the cards that I got were different and mm -hmm. fresh and worked in a different way. But the third card I got was like, this is crazy. This should not be allowed in this game. <laughs> right? So what it said was basically, um, when you're checking for which faction won and whoever has the most cubes of that faction, this card counts as if you had one more of that cube. Mm. And then I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. As long as I keep the same count of all of the cubes that you have. Mm -hmm. So if you have three black, sorry, three black, three blue, three red, four yellow, right? Yes. At the end of the game. And if I have, you know, that same number, right. right? I win the game no matter what happens. And I think that is what happened, isn't it? Except there's one problem. That, yeah. that was what happened. Yeah. There's one problem. Because... You can't play that card. And each yeah. time, each, the only way you can get cubes is you get two cubes at the start of the game. And then each turn you play a card, you get a cube. I can't say the word cube. I will always have one less cube than you do, yeah. no matter what. So I just have to account for that cube. But you not... effectively have a wild cube. Yeah, I have a wild cube, but it's a secret until the very uh -huh. end of the game, right? <laughs> uh, and, and the first time you play, like I think if you win with that, your opponent could get quite frustrated. But if if you know this game, yeah, uh, you know that's one of the twelve cards, yeah. and your opponent is holding one card to dear life, uh -huh. no matter what, you're like, oh, that's what's happening, right? Sure, it's not actually that hard to to learn what all the cards do. No, you suss it out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, um, if if one card does something for Wales, then there's probably going to be another one that does the same thing for Scotland, and another mm. thing that does the same thing for England. So it, it's not like you have to learn really 12 cards you just have to learn six or something yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah I, I every every game was a surprise every game was a delight and i played like i said we played like eight games of it now mm -hmm. and whilst this is the feature of of the podcast mm. uh i think i'm inclined to play it more and more and more and learn and more and more and more about it uh, because I, I want to find faults with this game because so far I can't. Have you got anything? No, not really, actually. Um, you laughed at me and you said no when I said it's a chess-like game. Right. Right. But I feel like it is because it's a power struggle. That's that's what I think of when I think of stre uh, stress. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. slip right? uh, when I think of chess. Mm. is a power struggle between you and your opponent mm. and there's that push and pull of yeah okay I'll right do that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and this is how i felt when mm. i played this because like you said you know you've got these eight cards and you can play as many as you want but do you kind of blow them all on one region uh mm. which would obviously be stupid uh or do you spread them out all over eight regions which again probably isn't going to work you're no, probably yeah, going to lose have to, you have to concentrate somewhere Right, and, and there's such beautiful moments in this game where, like, you play a card in a really contested region, and you're like, "Ha! I made this move!" Right, and then you look to your opponent, and your opponent goes, "Pass." Yeah, and you're like, "What? What did I just do? Uh -huh. What? What's happening?" Right, I just like, used this really good card. Yeah, and you're like, "Maybe, maybe they baited it out of me. Uh -huh. Was I meant to do this?" and there's so many uncertainties because the cards themselves are so powerful. So, for example, every region is scored in an order. And you know that order at the start of the game. Yeah. You have eight cards for each region. You deal them out randomly and in a, you know in an order. Yeah. So, you know that, like, 
Sussex is gonna be next or whatever. Sure. I'm not sure Sussex is in it. Sure. Devon is in it, I think. Maury is in it, hence my forever joke, it's a Moray. Which wasn't funny the first time, it's still not <laughs> now. There's uh, Northumbria. Yeah, there you go. So you, you, you know which regions are going to score when. So like, oh, okay, we're cent- centering on this fight and then the next fight is going to be this one and maybe I'll think about the third one as well until someone plays a card and says swap two regions. Mm-hmm. And then you can't swap them back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Interestingly, okay. um, the whole of Wales is represented by Gwynedd. No, not a hot cross bun. Hot cross bun? Are they not Welsh? Welsh cake is Welsh. Welsh cakes are Welsh. I don't know. It's British things. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of them. I have to learn all of this. <laughs> no, you, you don't. Know. It's fine. Uh, you don't. You hate hot cross buns anyway. I do. And Welsh That's cakes. why I know no, 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 nothing about it. Anything with currants yeah. in it. Yeah, just Tunnock's tea cakes. Oh, I love Tunnock's tea. Okay, there you go. That's a yeah. British thing. Yeah, there's so many different things you can do, and the order in which you do it is totally up to you. And because mm. you can see from the beginning of the game when those regions are going to come out you kind of try and plan or when they're going to be resolved sorry yeah you try and plan for it but you kind of can't no you have to sort of flow with it there's a lot of things yeah, you can premeditate much. like for example the number of followers out onto the board mm. is not equal mm. so mm-hmm. even though like at the moment you know like wales might have you know more regions where it's powerful mm. right but Wales has only like nine cubes, whereas like England has 13 cubes on right. the board overall. So via cards, it's a lot more in- easier to influence England and generate victories mm, mm, for it. Mm. Uh, so maybe you want to go into England, but at the same time, your opponent counted all those cubes as well. And they know yeah, exactly of course, what's going yeah. on, right? It's all open information, yeah. apart from the cards that you've played. And even then, because there's only eight cards, mm. you kind of can try and remember what, what your opponent's played. I, I, no, I... I haven't found a fault with it yet honestly maybe that's one fault like the memory element of not being able to remember maybe you know but, but yeah maybe yeah maybe it adds a little bit of uncertainty like oh i forgot what did you have you know whereas obviously people with eidetic memory are going to be like well we played this 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 so you have that i know but how often do you play a game with someone with a I don't know. Whatever. I I don't think a designer can account for someone with an eidetic memory. I think designers do. I think the memory question often comes in as a design choice. So, you know, we can pick it up on that, but it's about it, really. But otherwise, it looks good. It plays well. And I have had a brilliant time playing it. Mr. Pear Sylvester has a hit on his hands. I hope the second edition does really well. We very much enjoyed The King is Dead and we will be making a video about it. This has been the No Point Included podcast. The award nearly winning No Point Included podcast. Nomination's good. Uh, Runner up. Don't don't you put us down, Elaine. (laughs) Don't you put us down. And, and, And why don't you also say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.